Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We have for you once again this week for episode 99, another race report podcast. And this week, our race reporter is Ben Holiday. Ben is going to introduce himself here at the opening of the podcast, but I can tell you he is an accomplished endurance athlete. He's done multiple Ironmans, and he was taking on a new challenge here, the Cruel Jewel 50. Um, as the name implies, it's a 50-mile race that's pretty difficult, has about 17,000 feet of elevation gain and 17,000 feet of elevation loss. And just to make it even a little bit more cruel, it's actually 56 miles rather than 50 miles. Um, this is a new challenge for him. Uh, it was mostly on trails in northern Georgia, and he's going to tell you all about it. So let me remind you really quickly of a couple of things. First is that if you want to reach out to us about the Cruel Jewel 50 or anything else we do on the podcast, you can always reach me, George, at george at itlcoaching.com, or you can reach out to Patrick, patrick at itlcoaching.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, or you can send us an email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. Secondly, I just want to remind you really quickly of the way that we actually do the Race Report podcast. I talked to Ben a couple of weeks, or I think about a week before the Cruel Jewel 50 here, and he talked to us a little bit about his training, about why he chose this particular race, about his expectations and his anxieties about the race itself. Uh, and then I caught up with him a few days after the race, and we heard a little bit of how it went and whether it lived up to expectations, whether his fears were warranted, and all of that sort of thing. So without further ado, let's kick off our Race Report podcast, episode 99 on the Most Pleasant is Awesome podcast from Ben Holiday at the Cool Jewel 50. Ben Holiday, welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I never miss an episode. That's a nice thing for you to say, Ben. I appreciate that. Um, and you have a big race coming up, and, and you were nice enough to come on to the podcast and talk to us about it. What's your race? Uh, I will be doing, uh, in 11 days, the Cruel Jewel uh, 50. Well, they call it a 50, but it's uh, it's actually like a 56-mile race. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the cruel part, is that, that, that rather than just being a mere 50-mile race, it's a 56-mile race. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's if you don't get lost. <laughs> is that a is that a real possibility? Do people get lost on this course? Uh, some of the I've read the few race reports over the last few days, and yeah, two of the ones I read, one of them got off by two miles, and one of them got off I think by only like a half mile. But uh, um, but hopefully, I'm pretty good at navigating usually, so I'll I'll be you know I'll be looking out and making sure I'm looking for their course markings. Right on, right on. So we'll we'll, we'll circle back around here at the end to some of the the expectations and all that sort of thing, but. First, tell us a little bit about why is it that you wanted to do a 50-mile race? I know that you're not coming off the couch here. You have some experience, but what made you say 50 miles? I want to give that a shot. Well, I mean, when I, I'd been doing uh, triathlon, uh, a lot of Ironman stuff and half Ironman and all that sort of stuff. I've done a lot of marathons, but uh, decided that this was ready for some changes in the type of things that I was doing. Uh, mm -hmm. So I decided that I would just, uh, quote, unquote, retire from Ironman. Mm -hmm. and just go and just really nearly go out and start doing ultras, which was really sometime last year when I uh, uh, initially started that. Um, so what kind of got me into it was I was thinking about a race. I was looking at a race I really wanted to do, which was in in, in Portugal. It's the Madeira, uh, my Madeira race, which is 80 miles. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's on, a, it's on an island that's off the coast of Morocco. So cool. in order to do that race, you have to get a certain number of uh, points there's a point system, uh, ITRA points, and you, uh, um, 
so I had to target, start targeting races that, that would, that had the points. And then of all the races that were, that were nearby in Georgia, uh, this is the only one that would actually work and get me the points as well as uh, do that. But, uh, over time I ended up deciding not to do the other race, but I'd already signed up for cruel jewel. So, so okay. I said, okay, I'm just going to set my hopes and, and, and my, my passions on, on just finishing this race. Cause it does sound fun. And, and well, you know, in a sadistic kind of way. Yeah. Um, the, uh, um, and try to get this race done and just, you know, have fun with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's right up here where we, we now want a cabin up here that's near, near where our cabin is. And, uh, mm-hmm. so it seemed like, seemed like a logical thing to do. Right on, right on. So let, let, I, w- I want to talk real quickly about that. You got, you said the race in Portugal or on the Island off Morocco, that's called Mayu Madeira. Mayu Madeira. Yeah. Mayute it's, Madeira. uh, the, Okay. It's M I U T, and uh, it's a gorgeous race. It's across a mountain, a mountain range uh, that's on that island, uh, and it just looks amazing. I mean, you get so high, but you're like six thousand feet above, and you're above clouds, and there's just this one area that you go through, and it just seemed really, really cool to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's very, very up and down hilly kind of race, kind of like Cruel Jewel. So I thought that would be also a good match for it because it's like thirty, I think it's thirty four thousand feet of climbing. Mm-hmm. over 80 miles mm-hmm. and uh so you know all that in mind that's kind of kind of what i was thinking okay i'll kind of set all of my races and my training towards that sort of thing okay and then but you but you decided that maybe my madeira wasn't wasn't for you after all yeah it's uh it's obviously kind of expensive to fly yeah. to portugal yeah. uh and then you have to get come over across again on another charter uh to get to the island and then mm-hmm. you know stay for a while uh, and then you have to, you know, your, your expenses of all that. We just decided that, uh, we kind of got into a kick over the last six months of just simplifying our lives and cutting expenses and okay. just trying to put more, mo- put more money back. So we decided it was kind of an expense issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying I won't do it in the future or, um, you know, but I'm not certainly not gonna, I certainly would like to travel, uh, abroad again, but, uh, we, uh, we just decided I'll just put that off for a while. Um, okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, we can we can always do it later, and I've, I've I could kind of see how I feel about doing a, a, a race that takes an overnight thing by doing this uh, cruel jewel race. For sure, yeah. And now you mentioned the points too, and I think that's an important thing to bring up because you actually mentioned that when you and I first were corresponding about you're doing this race. Uh, doing the cruel jewel fifty gets you four UTMB points, right? That's correct. Uh-huh. Talk to us a little about UTMB there's, there's points and what that is. UTMB points, uh, they rate the race based on the distance and the ele- elevation change that you have. And uh, a race has to be read, has to be registered with the internet ITRA, which is, uh, I don't, I think it's international trail running association or something like that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's an international uh, organization. And they, uh, some, some of the local race, uh, directors here around the area, uh, which this one is dumbass events, pardon the expression. Um, they're, they're also, I, I noticed that when I went to the webpage for the race, it's dumbassevents.com. So, you know, yeah, that I wasn't going to bring that up. For, uh, <laughs> well, dumbass events is, uh, the, I believe it's either Dawsonville or Dahlonega ultra marathon association. So mm-hmm. they, they just thought it would be kind of cute to call it the dumbass, uh, <laughs> uh, races. So, and I'm not so sure that's not apropos for what I'm doing. So. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but anyway, but they have they're registered with them, and they are actually the cert the courses are certified to get the number mm-hmm. of points. And this mm-hmm. one we get was the race that would get me just enough points to get in if I wanted to do it. Right on. Um, right on. 
Okay, so so the number of points you would need for Mayut Madeira was four points. That's correct. Yeah. Okay, I see, I see. And UTMB, we should also mention so-called UTMB points. UTMB, that's Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, right? That's correct. That's kind of like the uh, Kona of trail racing. Exactly, exactly. And so how many how many points do you need to actually get into Ultra Trail Mont Blanc? Uh, I want to say it's either five or six. I don't okay. know off the top of my head. Um, I've never really looked at getting into that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure it's probably similar to what it would be to also to get into Western States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there that a lot of races are, are Western States qualifiers and um, and the same here. You know, if it gets enough points, then you can get in. So, so the bottom line then, or at least the takeaway for me as far as that goes, is that the international governing body of ultra marathons and trail running, which normally gives like 100-mile races or says that you can get into these really high-demand championship, big-time international races, all you need is five or six points. And this one's this 50-miler right. is four? That suggests this, four. Is, this is a hard race, man, right? Yeah, I think there's got a little. I got an extra point in there because of the elevation change. This is some significant cha- elevation change for for only uh, 56 miles. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. seventeen thousand feet of climbing is uh, is a lot of up and down. You're you're really yes, spending more time hiking than you're than you're running, for and sure. uh, and they don't. I don't understand. I'm, I'm not aware of any kind of like time limit you have to have it in, other than you just have to complete the race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so 17,000 feet up, 17,000 feet down as well, right? Roughly, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so over the course of 50 miles, um, you know, I've often said if you think about a really hilly run course, um, a really hilly run course has about 100 feet per mile. Um, and so obviously 56 <laughs> miles, 100 feet per mile, that would be that would be 5,600 feet. This has literally three times as much as that. And so for those of you who yeah. are listening, think about a really, really hilly run course and then multiply that times three and you get what Ben is now preparing to do for 56 miles. <laughs> so wait, and what's the name then, of that website? Ben throw, what's it called? <laughs> it's called, well, I call it Cruel Jewel website. But anyway, uh, that doesn't impress anybody when I'm telling them I'm doing a dumbass event. They, right. they say, well, we knew that. <laughs> um, very good, very but, good. Uh, but anyway, the uh, but I think you know one thing that I've also found about trail running, and and I've only been doing it for less than a year, really, um, is uh, trail running is a lot more difficult to me than than road running because mm-hmm. you there's so much lateral movement and agility yeah. that you have to have to make sure you're stepping on the right spot, yep. trying to move quickly, uh, not hurt yourself. I, I mean, I've fallen quite a few times in races, which I've never done on a road race, yeah. um, and um, uh, it's 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 a lot more side to side and I'm and muscles that you, uh, um, didn't really realize you had when you're just doing running, don't mm-hmm. get sore. Yeah, like I get sore in places I never had soreness before, uh, after running. Right on, right on. And so, yeah. so yeah. in preparation is it's of the 56 miles, it's like 45 of them are on trails, right? I mean, there's a very small number of them that's on the road. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's roughly six miles that are that are okay. on roads, and 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 I'm to understand that even those roads are kind of hilly. Uh, okay. But the the roads are right in the beginning. So after you pretty okay. much after you go off of the road, I think it's when you're pretty much on trails from then on. Gotcha. Um, and uh, it's all, you know, it's all pretty hilly. It's, I would say the first portion of it is probably your your standard average uh, 
like a ultra marathon kind of course, but then it gets really hard at a certain point, uh, okay. which is also the part where it, where you go uh, where you go when it's getting dark too. So okay, so so you mentioned that when you and I were talking off air um, that you're going to have to be doing a lot of this running at night. What time does it start? Um, what time of day does it start? The race will start at 8 a.m., mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm anticipating that it's probably going to get dark somewhere between 8.30 and 9. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll start getting a little dusky, you know, probably yeah. in between 8 and 9. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty sure by 9 o'clock I'm, I'm full headlights on uh, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make sure I'm stepping well and, and doing well in the dark. Um, How long do you think it's going to take? I am hoping... I've asked myself that question because I've never done anything this long uh, and on this difficult of a course before. Um, but I'm, I've decided that I really wanted to target 20 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was my guess uh, as you were talking. I was, I was like, this is going to take about 20 hours. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of went back and I looked at like, uh, I think a lot of folks listening probably know Thomas Odom. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, he did the full and right. he, his, his pace would, 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 was faster than that. He's obviously a much, much greater athlete than I am, but he, uh, I kind of looked at his, what he did, how he, how his miles went on that on his race. And then, uh, he and I have also talked about, it. he gave me some good in, insight into it. Mm-hmm. Um, good. but, uh, the, uh, you know, and I kind of thought, I mean, I've done some trail running on steep hills around, especially around, uh, Blairsville where I'm living now. Mm-hmm. Um, and to can kind of see what I can do. How, what does it make me feel like when I run this pace mm-hmm. on these are, Honestly, run runs kind of an iffy word there, mm-hmm. more like a, a power hike, um, mm-hmm. and and I feel like that's doable. I think I think that twenty hours is doable, uh, mm-hmm. as best I can tell. You know, we'll see how it goes on the actual real course and doing that for doing that for twenty hours. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, I mean, you and Thomas are both great athletes. He's a little faster than you are, but let's let's not try and pretend that you're not a great athlete who's very accomplished and who's, you know, deserves to be praised just for yeah. taking this on. So, so yeah, yeah. Pretty incredible. Uh-huh. Here. Very good. Now you mentioned that you live in Blairsville now. Um, and this race is actually goes from Blue Ridge, Georgia down to Vogel state park. It finishes in Vogel state park, right? That's correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, so and our, that, our cabin is two miles from there. Very good. That's nice. So, so it's not like you have a long drive home. <laughs> so, well, that's a, well, my wife can go back and lay down and take a nap ah, and wait for me to get done. <laughs> even better. Even better. <laughs> very good. Takes her five minutes to get there to pick me up. Very good. Perfect. Very good. Um, and so, so those of you who who have been riding in the gaps up around Dahlonega and Blairsville in North Georgia, Vogel State Park is the one that's right there at the turn. When you're coming down Neal's Gap and you take the left turn and you go over uh, – over to Wolfpen Gap, so so Vogel State Park is right there, and that's where you'll be finishing up. So very good. And then if that's you start correct. if you start at, at at about eight o'clock in the morning, it takes you about twenty hours. You're looking at finishing at four a.m. Then, right? Roughly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so yeah, a significant mm-hmm. amount of time you're going to be actually spending in the dark here. Um, so on those yeah. trails, up and down mm-hmm. those big climbs, and everything. Well, just for reference, you know, uh, you know, I'm doing road racing, you know, you're always talking 10 minute miles, nine minute miles, eight minute miles, you know, whatever it is. I'm actually hoping I can get 19 to 20 minute miles on this. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of humbling when you say that it kind of takes a little getting used to saying, okay, that's, that's ambitious for that, mm-hmm. for that seems what that, that's slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, anyway, but yeah, that's, that's the case. Yeah, I, I, that, that's that's interesting to me. For it makes me think of two things. Number one, I read an article recently from uh, a renowned trail running coach, 
Um, and it was um, it was kind of a kitschy name, but it was something like five things that that ultra runners need to do more of that they're not doing, or like five mistakes that that ultra runners make, or something like that. And one of the mistakes it said, or one of the things that ultra runners need to do more of, is hiking. It said. Um, it said in a lot of races, yeah. including some really prestigious races like Western States and UTMB and, and all that sort of thing, you're going to be spending some time hiking. And that's something that you need to be good at. Um, not just running or walking, but sort of hiking, like making good, solid progress um, at less than a running pace, if you will. Um, the, right. The, the, and, the, and not, not torching yourself too early, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just sort of part of yeah. what, what, what this whole endeavor entails. Um, the other thing that, that it makes me think of um, is I, I know a guy who did a 100-mile race uh, a couple of years ago. It was his first 100-mile race. And I said, what's the biggest difference between you know, the Ironmans and the marathons you've done in this 100-mile race? And he said, the closer I got to the finish, the more I doubted I was going to finish. Um, and I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he, said, he said, well, you know, if you think about any race, by the time you get 90% of the way through the race, you are pretty sure you're going to finish. Like if you're in a marathon and you're at mile, you know, 23 and a half or 24, which is 90% of the way through the race, you feel pretty confident you're going to finish. He said, I got to mile 90, he said, and I thought there was no way I was going to finish because 10 miles to run that <laughs> final 10 miles was going to take me three hours. <laughs> and he said, I don't think I have three wow. hours left, you know? And so, so I think that's sort of an interesting yeah. thing too, that, that, you know, 56 miles, we say, oh, 50 miles, 56 miles, that's a difference of two hours on some pretty difficult terrain. So that's that's not oh, just to yeah. throw a blanket over it, not a big deal. I mean, that's a big deal, um, just that extra six that's miles there. So, yeah, not that I'm trying to psych you out or anything. I feel like, I feel like I'm trying to psych you out. <laughs> I'm totally not. I'm totally not. Um, well, tell us this. Why, so what made you um, – you said this race had the UTMB points, and that, that was initially a big draw of it. Um, is, there, is there something else that kind of – anything else that kind of drew you to this race in particular when you said, okay, I'm going to step it up to 50 miles, um, that you said, cruel jewel, that's the one I want to do? Well, and then the initial point was I said, okay, what is the – I, and I, I don't want to use the word easiest, but perhaps the shortest race I could run mm-hmm. um, that would get me the points without having to dr- dr- like travel for a long way off, like mm-hmm. you know, go off to you know eight or nine hour drive away. Right. Um, so I just you know, I mean, it's and it worked. The time frame for it worked. It, obviously, it worked because it was near my cabin, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's you know basically it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of was interested in doing. I think probably I had targeted and thought about the Chattanooga 50 miler, mm-hmm. which is not nearly as hilly, but, uh, but that they moved that race from November to, uh, over to, um, to next February year. So it, it's not, it's right. Yeah. It's in March. And, um, and I'm probably, and I'm probably going to do that race next year. Actually, okay. I am going to do that race next year, Cool. but, uh, but the, you know, you can, should be able to finish that one in like 11, 12 hours mm-hmm. easily. And, um, so, but, uh, you know, this one, you know, like I said, just, it was really the only one. Mm-hmm. It was really the only choice. And, uh, um, so, you know, and, you know, and, and part of it was like, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, you say, you say you did, you can say you did that. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a very demanding race. It's yeah. very, um, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and so if it's something kind of, kind of puts a little bit of scare in me, I think that's kind of somehow in a sadistic way kind of draws me to it truth ben holiday i couldn't agree with you more on that i think that yeah. that, that a good goal is a little bit scary sometimes um that's the sort of thing that motivates you first thing in the morning right um yeah exactly you take it seriously when you when you're thinking about it <laughs> absolutely so speaking of get up in the morning uh 
tell us a little bit about your training. How have you how have you trained for this? I mean, it's obviously not the same as training for an Ironman. Yeah, actually, you know, it's I had to rethink about how I did training um, because everything I've been used to, and and I've had coaches over the years, uh, really basically basically one coach, and uh, I. Uh, I had to rethink about that because I didn't feel like that what I needed to do uh, to train for this type of race was really going to help um, because yeah. a lot of what you do in Ironman training is, is basically aerobic training. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you try to do really hilly ultras, you're really it's really not so much of an aerobic work. It is, I mean, it is to some degree, but it's a whole lot of strength. It's going to be mm-hmm. hard on your body, it's hard on your frame. Yeah. You're going to have to have the muscles to, to push yourself up, strength to move up, uh, and, of course, stop, slow yourself coming down. down. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, okay, what kind of things should I be doing uh, instead? So what I kind of decided to do was I would do more strength things. I did, some, I did a lot of things in the gym. Um, I did things like uh, uh, I got on a stair climber, and mm-hmm. I would do stair climber for right 15 on. minutes, jump over on a treadmill, turn the treadmill all the way up to its highest setting and and oh, wow. and power walk uphill on the treadmill mm-hmm. and go back and forth 15 15 15 15 you know for a couple of hours oh, wow. um and and then uh, of course i would you know come up here to the mountains and actually get on hills and do hills mm-hmm. but then you know part of it is also is still aerobic you still got to have some, some uh, cardio fitness so i would mm-hmm. i would run on flatter trails i spent a lot of time at dosset trails which is uh down in the jackson area mm-hmm. Uh, near near Indian Springs, mm-hmm. and um, I, I did a lot of trail running there. Uh, but one thing I did do, because I didn't want to beat myself up so much physically uh, with all that, I, I kind of limited myself. Okay, I never, I'm not, I'm not going to allow myself in training to go over like three, three and a half hours. Okay, good. So my longest, my longest training run was 16 miles mm-hmm. uh, up until now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only time I went more than that was when I did races. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some races that I used as prep. Uh, I did one of them was a Snickers Marathon, which is obviously it's not very hilly, uh, but I just wanted to do that one. Yeah. And I it's did a road, it's um, a road marathon uh, in Albany. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I did the um, Mountain Mountain Mist, which mm-hmm. is a really hard uh, 50k over in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, very hard, very muddy, uh, very slippery. It was it was it was a good ex- it was a good a good experience. Yeah. Um, and then I just recently did the Hill and Back Marathon, which is a, a really hilly uh, marathon, mm-hmm. and I did that last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it, they're both of those uh, ultras were roughly four thousand feet of climbing. Uh, the difference in one of them is is that uh, the, the Hill and Back, uh, the first eleven or about eleven miles right at the beginning, is is all the climbing. So you okay. go all the way up. And you're coming all the way down, and that was a lot of time spent going to going up a hill. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of time spent coming down it because I mean, yeah, you know, like we said, seventeen thousand yeah. feet of up and seventeen thousand feet of down. I mean, I I I always used to kind of poo-poo the whole idea of oh well, downhills all that hard. Actually, last year I for whatever reason had a lot of opportunities to do downhill running, and I don't I don't think <laughs> that way anymore. <laughs> downhill can beat you up pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, and the research shows yeah, that, exactly. that you know it's it's much harder on your body to go downhill than it is to go uphill, even though you know uphill slows you down more than downhill speeds you up. So yeah, very cool. Yeah. That's good. That sounds yeah. very interesting, two, man. Two things I think might be worth noting. Um, the uh, 
I, I bought trekking poles and I've been training with trekking poles. Um, and I've, I've found that going up the hill that you can, if you can, you can increase the less amount of load on your legs by, um, uh, using the trekking poles to pull your, to make your arm, push your arms up. That kind of lifts your arms up off the way to your legs, which really helps. And of course, coming down, it kind of helps you with your balance. Mm -hmm. Um, and so those are really helpful. And I have a tendency to twist ankles. So I went and bought, instead of just your traditional trail shoes, Mm -hmm. uh, I went and got mid highs, which are almost, they look almost like basketball shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and I, and I've been wearing those too. And those have been really helpful since I got those. I've had less instances where I, where I've almost twisted an ankle. Interesting. Uh, so I, those are kind of two things that I thought, uh, equipment wise that I think would, uh, you know, would help me with, uh, with, you know, not injuring myself and also coming down and having more confidence. Right. Right. I've seen those sort of mid high trail running shoes on online before. And so, so yeah, yeah, very cool. Very good. I'll look forward to hearing how those work out for you too. Well, Ben, last words here and that makes it sound once again terrible but <laughs> last thoughts here before uh before we send you off on to conquer the cruel jewel 50 here expectations anxieties anything left to say uh definitely anxieties about uh, the running at night part i, I love i think it's going to be wonderful and enjoyable during the day i think mm-hmm. once it gets dark it's gonna it's gonna be a, a battle of my mind uh, okay and uh i have done a couple of runs intentionally in the dark uh, to get ready for it, and I was good with that. And I was it's okay. I felt comfortable being out there in the woods, but the woods I was in then didn't have bears, so, so you know, and things like that. So I'm also I'm probably going to be hearing things in the woods, but but I'm carrying plenty of flashlights, so I'll be, I'll be good. There you go. Um, but uh, ex- expectations. I just want ultimately. I just really just want to finish it and have fun. Um, and I'm I'm certainly not. I didn't get into this to try to be competitive. I'm probably the worst trail runner there is. I'm just not very agile i uh um it's probably not really my best sport but it's just something i I just really enjoy being out there uh so really just hoping that i have fun and uh don't hurt myself uh don't you know bump my head because i fell and (laughs) then they find me the next day in the woods (laughs) but uh other than that i I think i'm 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 being funny actually but uh the uh but yeah just just want to go out there and have fun and have a good day and and get to see my wife as early as possible. You know, yeah. I, I would really love to come in earlier than schedule, uh, right and um, and maybe I'll surprise myself. We'll see. Right on, right on. Very good. We'll be sending you good thoughts, Ben. So exciting, man! And and kudos for taking on a new challenge. That that that's exciting to me, and I'm I'm glad you're doing this, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes for you. So good luck from everybody yeah. in the uh, most pleasant exhaustion podcast community, man. Hey, thank you. It's my favorite place. All right, Ben. We'll talk to you after the race. Alright, thanks. Well, alright, that's what Ben had to say prior to the Cruel Jewel 50. Without further ado, let's go directly to post Cruel Jewel 50 and hear what Ben had to say about that. Ben Holiday, welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you being with us. Hey, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Give us the good news, man. How'd it go? We uh well it was it was uh everything I expected to be. The the uh the course was beautiful, it was uh it was just awesome, it was extremely hard mm-hmm. uh and it got very difficult uh toward the end, which is you know, pretty much pretty much the kind of day I expected. Uh had a few parts of it that were a little unexpected, but uh but yeah, it was uh it was a great day. 
Okay. And, and he, night. Yeah, and night. I was going to say, you said it was a great day, and I was like, well, he said one of the things he was worried about was all that running and night. So um, yeah, yeah. let's talk about that. You said it would take about 20 hours. You thought you were, you were hoping for about 20 hours, but you also said that you sort of felt that was an arbitrary number. So um, how long did it take? Uh, it ended up being 23 hours. Okay. Uh, I, I ran. I started at 8 o'clock on Saturday, and I came into the finish line at 7 a.m. on Sunday. Okay. Okay, right there at sunrise on Sunday, right? Yep, sunrise. Very good, very good. Well, well, well take us through it. Um, you know, you, you start there, and I know it got hot during the day. How how'd it go during the the I guess the first twelve hours or so while it was still light outside? Yeah, we we started off uh, from Camp Morganton, which is over near Blue Ridge. Uh, started running, and the first the first almost three miles is on road, so that was that was pretty normal for me. You know, I've been a lot of a lot of years running on roads and uh and those those miles went by pretty quick i kind of got to the first aid station and in a lot faster than i expected uh then they then of course we there we hit the trails um the first little bit was was not that hard it was kind of this big loop about a five mile loop uh that you do around uh, the blue ridge area mm-hmm. and um and then you come down and you do this little out and back and then you then you start heading actually directly towards the uh uh, back towards Vogel State Park, which is where the finish is. Of course, it's, it's a long way off at that point. But uh, but it's, uh, you know, the first part wasn't too bad. Um, the out and back was tough. Um, and uh, and then there was just a lot of lot of up and down mountains between there uh, and before it got dark. Uh, of course, in the afternoon, it did get quite a bit hot. Um, it, we actually did hit another little section of road that was about three miles long. Mm-hmm. Um, and ran on roads there. Um, I don't know exactly the little community that we ran through, but it was it was a nice little community. But it was nice to be on roads where it's nice and flat, where I'm you know I'm used to running. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, we got off of that and went off back on the trails, and it immediately got hard again. So, right, um, right. so uh, yeah, that that was a bit warm. I think my watch recorded that the highest rec- temperature it got was like ninety something, uh, but it was like the average was like uh, eighty eighty something in the afternoon. Oof, hot, hot, very Yeah, hot. it was warm. So, so yeah, I, I can imagine those little flat <clears throat> spots on the road being kind of nice respites there. And it seems like those first two or three miles probably helped you maybe work out some jitters. Were you nervous at the start? Uh, I was very, when it, from the moment I woke up that morning and even the night before, I was uh, had, you know, had a lot of nerves, uh, mm-hmm. more than more than I usually do in a race. And, uh, and But once I got to the start line, I mean, I was a little fidgety and antsy, but but I was okay um, and uh, kind of relaxed. I saw some when we were driving in. We could see some of the hundred mile runners coming into Camp Morgan, mm-hmm. um, and some, you know, of course, some going back out too. Um, so it was kind of like me. Like I looked at them, and I, lo- I saw how tired they were. It was kind of like a little forewarning. Okay, just chill out and relax. You you know, you, you're feeling good right now. You're going to feel like them probably in about about twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. So take us to that twelve hour mark. So so. You were in the light for 12 or 13 hours, right? About 12 hours, probably. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then it starts getting dark. Tell us about that. Well, the you know, like I say, the first first part of the race up till about 35 miles. At about the 35 mile edge station is where where the the what they call the Dragon Spine, the Duncan Ridge Trail starts. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I felt I felt pretty good. I was I had my race. I was actually coming into um, to that 35 mile edge station uh, about probably like 50 minutes ahead of schedule. I had set myself these wow. little time times of days that I would get there. Right. Um, and, um, 
and I was do well, I was ahead of schedule. Um, so, but somewhere right before I got to the aid station, I started feeling rough. It was, it was more or less kind of like just feeling fatigue and tiredness. Uh, and I, and I kind of look back at it now and think that was probably more of a nutrition thing. Maybe I had kind of, I wasn't paying attention and slacked off on nutrition a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but, uh, but that, especially at mile 34 and as I got into the aid station, I realized I felt really bad, um, okay. felt rough. So got there, said, okay, you, you're, you, you can't breeze to this aid station. You're going to have to spend some time here and get, okay. get some food down you. So I started working on food and I felt really bad. I sat down in the chair, um, and just trying to collect myself to get my energy back up. And honestly, I had a lot of doubts at that point, whether I could finish this thing, mm-hmm. knowing that I was about to go into the hardest part of the course. Right. So, uh, I thought, well, you know, I'd been staying in communication via text message with my wife whenever I got to aid stations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so I thought at this point, I probably ought to call her just to kind of make sure she knows that I'm feeling bad. I don't know if I could communicate this in a text. Mm-hmm. So I had to walk around a little bit and get a cell, but I finally got a cell <laughs> signal and, um, and got to talk to her a little bit, told her how I was feeling, told her I was going to press on and, uh, and just try to see if I can make it to the next base station, see how I felt. So, uh, anyway, so, uh, up until that point, I had made a buddy, uh, I made a friend on the trail there. His name was Adam. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Adam was, uh, just, just a great help. He and I had kind of decided, you know, probably over the course of about 10 miles that we would just stick together through the night because we were both one thought it would be better for us both if we just kind of were had, had somebody there. We didn't want to be alone in the dark, mm-hmm. uh, in the middle, the middle of the wilderness. Um, with so, the bears. With the bears, yeah. Supposedly. <laughs> That's it. That was what was in our mind. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we, um, we had made that kind of agreement. Hey, we're just going to stick together. We're going to we're going to stay together. So we did. Um, and, um, then, you know, but I was feeling kind of rough at that age station, but kind of pulled myself together and we set off and we started into the first part of the dragon spine. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, uh, and then I immediately started feeling better. I I think the food was settling in, my energy level was coming back. Uh, but of course by that point, and it had been building for a little while, my, I was developing some pretty significant blisters. Um, okay. It felt like at that point that the uh, that the entire bottom of my foot was a blister. Uh, I mean, one giant blister. So every step, every time I, my foot placed on the ground, which is usually never on on anything flat like a road, it's always stepping on a rock or a, or a stump or or going up a hill or down a hill. That you know, it was just every step was just a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, and uh, but at least my energy was back, so I was able to to move and, and keep mm-hmm. moving. I, I was the one thing I uh, I think I did is I kept a pretty good steady pace. Mm-hmm. It might have been a slow pace, but it was a steady pace. And right. um, so uh, anyway, we set off there, and within about thirty minutes after we left that thirty-five mile aid station, it started to get dark, mm-hmm. uh, and slowly you know it built into a, a full darkness where we were totally we had our headlamps on and. Um, and we're making our way through the dragon spine and the dragon spine portion. None of the climbs are super long, like really like uh, exceedingly long, but it's always super steep and up or down. Uh, it's a very, you know, up and down kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the grades are, can be anywhere from 18 to 30%, mm-hmm. uh, gradient and, uh, 30%. So it's, it, Oof. Yeah, at some points it's like thirty percent. Thirty percent is like that's that's steeper than a ladder. I mean, it really is. Um, if if yeah. you think about like putting a ladder up against the side of your house, that's that's about it's about the steepness of a ladder. Wow. 
and right. keep and, going. And generally, when you're going down and you're on top of rocks, you're you're really more or less just trying to keep yourself from falling. Uh, yeah. And then, well, you know, during that during that that section, uh, the blisters that I had really kind of got a lot got a bit worse. At least it felt that way. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that I discovered was that the blisters occurred between the ball of my foot and the toes so it's really not on the bottom if it just felt like it okay uh, it was kind of up on the front part when you're when you're going down a hill your your foot's pushing back against and trying to control your descent mm. and then when you go up a hill that's real steep your foot goes back to the back of your shoe and you're hitting the back of your heel so that's really where the the worst blisters were mm-hmm. the worst one was actually probably in the front the one that's just in front of the ball uh the foot and uh, but you know, and you're always going up or down, so everything's always pushing on that spot, um, yeah. one or the other. And so there was no, there was really never any relief. It was always hurting. Right. And that really went on from like 35 through the end of the race. Um, and, I, and, I, um, and I, I was thinking about like what you just said that you you were always stepping on trail or on rock or something else like that. Like if you were on the road or something, you could potentially maybe even subconsciously modify your stride just ever so slightly to where you weren't stepping on it with every single step, right? But on the trail, because you don't have a predictable platform or predictable ground, you you can't do that. You can't modify your stride in order to avoid stepping on the blister. You're, You're going to be stepping on it whether you want to or not, so... Yeah. Exactly. You're always stepping side to side or you're trying yeah. to step on a rock intentionally or, you know, you're stepping, you're trying to step over something. There were, there was a, quite a few trees across the trail. Mm. Um, it, uh, it, you know, you had to climb over a tree occasionally. Um, mm. and, uh, but there was always something going on as yeah. far as, you know, you have to watch and you're, you're doing this in the dark, so you can only see so far in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, that kind of just made for always, always like hitting the spot to hurt. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's, a lot, that's a lot of hours, you know, 20 miles is <laughs> yeah. like half the, is like half the race. Yeah. And to have your feet, feet, you know, like feel like somebody sliced them with a razor blade. <laughs> when nice. I, later, later, when I, uh, when I had to pop blisters, uh, after the race, uh, I had to, I had to pop them because they were just sticking out so far. Mm-hmm. It looked like a murder scene. Uh, it was, it was <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. All right. So keep going. Yeah. So, so, so you got the bad blisters. It's getting dark. At least the temperature's coming down. At least you're feeling better. Right. Um, yes. Um, and, and one thing I was thinking about, I was, you know, as we're talking about it, I was like, oh, okay, 35 miles, he only has 15 miles to go, but no, this is a 56 mile race. And so they call it the cruel yes. 50, but at that point you saw 21 miles and given the speed at which you had to go, because there was 17,000 feet of ascent and descent, that's a big six mile. That's a two hour difference, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so keep going. And, and at the end, I was at the end, you know, I'd started off the day. I was kind of going, I mean, obviously the first few miles I was doing like 10, 11 minute miles and I was actually felt super easy. Uh, but then when I got on trails, I'm going up and down mountains it, at the first, it was like 16 to 18, maybe yeah. 19 minute miles. Yeah. Uh, but by the end, when I hit the, when you get into that, uh, the dragon spine section, we're talking 25 to 30 plus minute wow. miles. So you're like getting, you're, you're getting like two miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you say, if you say, okay, I've got six miles to go, well, that's a long time at, yeah. at that point. Um, yeah. and, um, so, uh, um, it's just, it's just slow go. You have to go up the hills because you can't go any faster. You're kind of mm-hmm. tired. Um, and, um, and of course your feet are hurting mm-hmm. and then going down, it really was no, really not much relief. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, 
the dragon spine section is about 15 miles long. Okay. And then that gets you to this aid station. And, and there, I, I kind of thought when I got there to that last manned aid station that, um, you know, that I probably had like four or five miles left. And I, I don't know why I thought that. It was I had it on my sheet. I wasn't looking at it anymore at that point. But uh, they told me I had about eight miles left. And like, Oof. that was so crushing. I was like, oh my God, I don't yeah. have that. It's such a long way, eight miles. Mm. Um, and uh, what we had left at that point was uh, we had finished the dragon spine and what we had left was, was Kusa Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way you, the way you do that, it's about a mile, mile and a half, very steep uphill. I mean, it's almost like an extension of the dragon spine. You have to go very, very steep up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to the top, it kind of plateaus a little bit. Uh, and then you start this descent. The descent's just as steep at first. Uh, it's really super steep coming mm-hmm. down, down. Yeah. The upside, but it's four miles down to the bottom, oh, wow. um, and and at that point my feet were just so sore, and coming down that it just seemed like it lasted an eternity. Yeah. Uh, it was basically a two-hour descent, um, and the whole time I'm you know it's pushing on that front part of my foot where the the most painful part, um, and it was excruciating. Uh, There's a lot of logs we had to crawl, crawl over, and um, you know. The good thing was, you know, it was, was cooler at that point. Uh, after dark, it did cool off a bit. And then mm-hmm. anytime you got near water, you could feel the humidity and the coolness of the air mm-hmm. a lot more. So that was that was the one comfort in it. But um, but that four-mile descent uh, coming down into that little valley uh, was just really uh, – that was that was actually – much tougher than I expected. That was the, uh, yeah. I did, I would, I actually thought at that point, Hey, I'll be, be so happy going downhill to that. You know, it was mm-hmm. not like that. It was, and it was tough just to be clear. It was tough because of the blisters, right? That was your big limiter, right? Yes. Uh, the one thing that I'm, that I feel fairly good about is that, uh, my legs held up really well. Um, mm-hmm. I never, the point that I ever felt like my legs were just were worn out. Um, it was it really my limiter in this, or the biggest limiter was the blisters. Uh, just you know, the up and down and and where the, where the blisters were hitting at. Um, but the, my legs were strong. I think at one point my my knees got a little shaky, mm-hmm. but I think it was just because it was hurting and I was just tentative about touching. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, but my my legs were strong. I felt like my training was good. Mm-hmm. I, could, I, I was I was really doing a good job. I, th- I felt of just keeping a pace. I mean, I occasionally would like like at the top of a really steep little section, I might take the, just a second to slow down and catch my breath, mm-hmm. let my heart rate come down. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it was. I felt good about my legs. Uh, right I felt and 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 they actually recovered fairly quickly after the race. Mm-hmm. And and you should. So your legs felt good. You had that one sort of blip with your nutrition around around thirty five miles. But but you recovered from that pretty well, you know. It was blazingly yeah. hot. It got into the 90s, but you were able to to maintain hydration. So I mean, it it seems like it seems like overall this was very successful for you. I mean, it seems like that that this was a win, right? Yeah, I feel like Mi- the, minus the race, minus the blisters, w- of course. Yeah. Right. I feel like if I had, if I could have planned better, if I'd have, if I'd have had more experience. I mean, this is again, I've been doing trail running for for less than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'd have had the blisters, if I'd have been more prepared for that, I had, had maybe had done some things to kind of uh, mitigate their appearance, mm-hmm. um, that I would have, uh, I probably would have gone a lot faster. Mm-hmm. I think I would have moved well better uh, because my legs were fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, but when they when they developed, it was just really difficult to touch anything on, mm-hmm. on my feet. Um, 
and has been even since then. I've, it's taken today is the first day that I've looked down at my feet and the top of my feet wasn't swollen. Oh, wow. um, there was a lot of, lot of, lot of puffiness in my feet for days, uh, you know, until today and still a little bit on the bottom, but, uh, but it's, it, it, it really did a number on my feet. And so for reference, we're recording this five days later, right? Um, yeah, about five days I after you finish. Yeah, um, yeah. Sunday morning, the seven a.m. was when I finished. Right, and it's Friday now. And it's so. yeah. Yep. Very good. Very good. So, um, did you use trekking poles? Yes, I did. Um, and for anybody that uh, does trail running and is looking at, especially anything that's rather long, uh, trekking poles are a game changer. They, um, for one, they save your legs. If you use as your as your Doing climbs, if uh, if you use your trekking pole right, you can basically lift your arms with the trekking poles and let them do the work, and then that's less 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 weight on your legs to have to push up. Uh, so, it if you do that over the course of a race, then that spares your legs mm-hmm. um, and some of the work. Uh, I mean, it's only going to be a, a certain percentage of of, of difference, but I mean, if you if you save ten percent over the course of a race right, by right. By by using trekking poles, it's certainly worked. It. it was definitely. I mean, that was that was the one thing that I was very pleased with that the, how the trekking poles worked. And most of the people on the course had them, uh, mm-hmm. which was, uh, you know, obvious that, that that was a big thing. And um, uh, but also for me, toward the end, it was getting hard. Of course, hard to put my foot down. Mm-hmm. And there were several times uh, that I probably a dozen times that I almost stumbled and fell, hmm. but my trekking poles, I was able to reach out with my trekking poles and catch my balance and hmm. I never fell. Hmm. Uh, this is the first, uh, trail race I've ever had that I didn't fall, <laughs> <laughs> but you would have even a, even a shorter one. Yeah, yeah I would have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it probably, if it had fell in this one, I would have, I would have been some, I probably would have had some severe face injury. <laughs> yeah, you gotten hurt for real. Well, and then it also, yeah. you know, you take the weight off your legs, but it also took the weight off those blistered feet too, right? A little bit, yes. Mm-hmm. Sure did. For sure, I'm sure that was that was. I mean, I, it's it's profoundly painful, even as I'm thinking about it, talking to you. But but I'm sure they made at least a little bit of a difference. So, um, so the yeah. so so the one thing that I would ask you, you know, it, uh, one thing I would always ask is, what would you do different? So the thing that you say you would do different is you would you would prepare for the blisters a little bit better, or or you would sort of see that as a as a possibility, or, or what? Right. And again, I don't know that, I don't think there's anything you can necessarily do, uh, to say you're never going to have any, obviously. Uh, but knowing what I know now, I, if I had to do it over again, I, I think I would have put a lot more lube on my feet. I put some on there, but I only, I only put it in areas where I thought I might get some. Right. And I did, I don't think I took into account right. this, uh, there's where they ended up being. Um, and so I probably would have put lube literally all over every part of my foot. My, my inside of my shoe might've been completely mm-hmm. full of lube. <laughs> and I think it somewhere toward the middle of the race, uh, I probably would have stopped and, and redid it again and mm-hmm. maybe even changed shoes, mm-hmm. um, change shoes with, uh, and put it all over again. Uh, it would, it would have been certainly been worth the, um, the loss of, you know, giving up that little bit of time to gain mm-hmm. all that less painful experience. Um, and, um, so that, that's the one thing at this point, and that's what I would do different. Hmm. I think the trekking poles help. I would certainly use that again. Uh, but, uh, but certainly needed something on there to kind of keep the friction down on, on the feet. Yeah. Uh, I think I've heard some people say that maybe they even put, uh, like on their heels and stuff, they put, uh, 
duct tape just to kind of so that there's you know that's not against your skin so i I don't know if that would work but Hmm. um anyway it's i mean as we're talking about as as i'm thinking about it it seems like you know you have the preparation aspect of it so you say you would like lube up your feet more basically and you would also put the lube in places where you don't normally blister because you're going to be using your feet in different ways um and so i think that's part of it but i think also there's part of it like in terms of problem solving so like you probably packed like extra goose or extra food or something like that just in case right um and so did you did you did you pack anything to potentially solve the problem of having blisters no i uh, i actually uh i decided not to put it in there because i thought okay i've got it in there it's already there Uh, Mm -hmm. what i probably didn't take into account that it just disintegrates over time and you know if you're doing it for 24 hours it's not going to stay Right. Um, so that's why I say putting it over again mm-hmm. at some point, just, you know, even if you're not feeling it at that point, just, just stop and put it on. Right. Um, and, um, you know, because it, it, over time, especially if you're out there running for 23 hours, it's probably going to just, you know, absorb into your skin or absorb into your shoe and it's going to be gone. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, this kind of things, you know, Right that's, that's an experience that I, that I learned the hard way, and now if I had to do it again, I would I would definitely that's what I need to do for sure. Right on, right on. Well, with that in mind, so so what's next for you? I mean, I know you're not you know going to go out and do another fifty mile this weekend, but uh, but what's next? Um, right now, the next event that I have is I'm going to do blood, sweat, and gears, which is a bike ride. Um, okay, and, uh, North Carolina, yeah, in, that's a cool one. Yep, and. Uh, we uh, we're in the process now, and then over the next uh, ten days, moving too. So we'll get up there, and as soon as I get up to the, uh, we get moved into our cabin, which is where we're moving to to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna get you know hopefully get up in the gaps and start doing some bike riding and uh, get ready for that. I think my fitness probably will, will probably relate pretty well to mm-hmm. to just a casual bike ride because we're, we're, I'm not going into BSG trying to uh, trying to compete. I'm just just going up there just to have a fun day riding. Cool. And, um, but, uh, you know, there's that. And, uh, I think, uh, I have, or, I have already signed up for some fall, uh, trail races, but I don't see any trail running in the summer for me. Maybe okay. I'm definitely going to do some hiking. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but not, not any, uh, trail races during mm-hmm. the summer. So. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a, there's definitely, as we talked about, I think the first time there's, there's a, and as I think you, we we certainly saw in your race here, there, there's definitely a crossover between you know going out and hiking and uh, and and then competing in a race like the Cruel Jewel Fifty, right? Yes, there is uh, hiking. Uh, you're you're the, you spend a lot more time in Cruel Jewel Fifty hiking than you do running. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so, and I think as I think I mentioned before that it's it's much more of a strength thing than an aerobic thing um and not that not that both are important in the race but that it's strength is probably if you if you underestimate that then your legs are going to get worn out Mm -hmm. um and and i think i was ready for that i think my my legs held up Mm -hmm. i was very happy with that part of it um and uh, i think if i'd been a little more experienced uh, i would have known about the blisters how to prepare for them Mm -hmm. and then uh i would uh then i think i think all in all i think then you know, that 20 hour mark might've been real easy to do. Um, so, um, yeah. And I also think that, uh, cycling, you know, the thing I'd done a little use cycling as a, uh, cross training during my preparation for, Mm -hmm. for cruel jewel, Mm -hmm. um, climbing up mountains, you know, spending that period of time where you're just pushing and climbing a steep climb and 
you know, for an extended period of time, like climbing wolf pen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did that a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, those kind of things do relate well. You know, I think I think the muscles are similar that you do to climb as you, as you do climbing up on a, on a hill on your feet, too. So. For sure. For sure. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Very cool. Any uh, any any ultras on the on the schedule? Like looking to the fall, you gonna do another fifty mile or anything? I've got a series of things. I, ulti- ultimately, I'm gonna lead to next March. I'm gonna do the Chattanooga fifty miler. Right, cool. uh, not nearly as the elevation gain as this cruel jewel, but mm-hmm. it's fifty miles, mm-hmm. and that's next March. And I, I built in a, a few races leading up to it. I'm gonna do Scott of Summit twenty five k in November. Mm-hmm. Then in December, I've got the Cloudland Canyon fifty k. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll get my mileage up a little bit higher, uh, yeah. and uh, those are those are above, well, not Scott Summit, but the Scott, the Cloudland Canyon, and the, the Chattanooga 50K are on the basically the same area over at mm-hmm. Cloudland Canyon, cool. uh, which is just a course that I really think is beautiful and, yeah, and uh, something I'm look, looking forward to. Very good, very good. Well, Ben, congratulations, man! Your uh, your first fifty miler was a success. It was a tough race, man. So, so it I, was. I, yeah, I, yeah. I offer you very hearty and very well deserved congratulations. So, so well done, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, can't say I give a shout out to the folks that were at the aid stations and the, right the race directors, and it was a well run race. Right on. Uh, if that's the kind of thing that you want to do, that would be a great event. Um, it's it's beautiful. It's going to challenge you to your soul, uh, but it's it's just it's just well done. They they were on the spot. Some right of on. the volunteers at the aid station were right there when I needed them. Like I, I forgot my very cool. Um, I forgot my drink at one of the aid stations, and the guy brought it out on the truck because I had to go back. He saw me coming, and he, he mm-hmm. brought it out to me. Uh, just cool. that kind of thing, you know. Very good stuff. Very cool. Very good. Glad to hear. Um, well, thanks for joining us and telling us all about your experience at Cruel Jewel. Congratulations, and uh, we appreciate your sharing with us. All right, thank you. All right, Ben, we'll talk more soon. All right. Bye-bye. And that'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance and Blue Pineapple Travel. Once again, you can reach out to me, George, at george at itlcoaching.com. You can reach out to Patrick, patrick at itlcoaching.com. You can send us an email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, at pleasantpodcast, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. Don't forget to reach out to our sponsors as well. You can find ITL Coaching and Performance at itlcoaching.com, at itlcoaching on Twitter, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash performance. Finally, of course, Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, bluepineappletravel.com, and on Instagram, instagram.com slash bluepineappletravel. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. On behalf of Patrick Ollander, this is George Darden. We'll see you next time on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.